Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode of 130. We're a pop culture podcast that talks about pop culture things, and sometimes there is whiskey. My name is John, and I'm joined as always by Andrea. How's it going? Good, good. Happy Friday. Happy almost holiday weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. see what happens if we just go a little bit over a week, you know, then I, and then I foobar the intro. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say, you caught it though, like just at the right moment. You were like, huh? <laughs> culture. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Almost Christmas. This can like, I, you know, I feel like I should be wearing a Santa hat or something. Something more festive. I, think I have one floating around here. Or wait, no. We I did don't. at one point. <laughs> no. No, I do. I'm point, just joking, but... so nobody makes me do uh, it. Oh, okay. Floating around and hears me like, oh, <laughs> also one helpful. Just, just enter stage left. Yeah. A hat comes flying at you. Yes. Yeah. I won't lie. Uh, <laughs> whenever I hear stage directions, I always think of uh, Shakespeare's exit stage right, pursued by bear. Pursued by bear. Yeah. So I, it's the I wanted to ask direction. It's it's so great. Like when referencing enter or exit stage this direction or that, is it the yeah. audience perspective or the actor perspective, right or left? It's always the actor perspective. Okay. That's what I assumed because yes. they're the ones that would care. So yeah. Right, because yeah, you you have to be thinking like exit stage right. Oh, that's actually my opposite stage left. Yeah, the audience exactly. is stage right. So you'd just be like, you know, having that extra yeah. step is something nobody needs. Right. Yeah. Well, great. Um, today's episode, we're going to be talking about Westworld. It's been a moment. Uh, Westworld season four <laughs> comes on sad news of the cancellation of the show. So right. there'll be a bittersweet element to our discussion of that. But we yeah. will get into it and we'll get into it in a spoilerific fashion. So um, before that, we've got some news, particularly um, DC news. I know we talked about a lot of DC, but. Uh, well, now we're know. getting a lot of confirmation. I felt like last week yeah. was the, like speculative, like yeah. we're hearing rumblings and now we've got like everybody's putting out statements. Yes. Yes. Um, a little bit of insanity from Tom Cruise. And yeah. um, and then before all that, we've got uh, our weeks and drink holidays. You know, it's, Christmas is coming. It's got to be drink holidays involved, right? Yes, of course there is. Some related or, you know, would seemingly be related and some not so much. Um, but we've got... Uh, Harkening all the way back uh, 10 days ago, it was Hot Cocoa Day on December 13th, followed closely by National Screwdriver Day. So those are, I feel like, both kind of like morning brunchy type drinks. I don't know if you guys do like a Christmas Eve morning or a Christmas morning, like special breakfast, brunch. We usually do yeah. in our in our household. Um I'm kind of excited for this year, like Everett will actually be old enough to be potentially remembering the start of like the traditions that we do. So sure. Yeah. Kind of like plan it out. Whereas last year was like a little more like free flowing, like we want to do these things. It's okay if it's not like on the day, but now we're like, no, 
get it. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But yeah. Those are a couple of hol- holidays. And then uh, uh, a little bit later on the 20th, we had National Sangria Day. And then on the 21st, it was Coquito Day. Yeah. So, you know, sangria, that sounds like you make a make a giant kind of punch bowl sort of thing for a party. Christmas that sounds punchy. like a good. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. Coquito doesn't really line up, I would say. Not really. Um, Although, I mean, you know, I don't I don't know traditions from other you know, right. nationalities in other countries. So could totally be. And we're just not aware. Yeah. I, when I was looking it up, um, cause I mean, everybody, you know, if you've been following us, you know, that we've gone through all the drink holidays already cause we've been doing yeah. this for a couple of years now. So I should know what each thing is, but I didn't remember what Coquito was. So yeah, it's, it's like right. a type of coconut with like sweet and condensed milk. And it's like very kind of, I think of, uh, like trace leche in a glass or like horchata or something, maybe even. Yeah. So. Rum chata, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here. Alan says sometimes referred to as Puerto Rican eggnog. Well, Sounds there good. you go. Look at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. well, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. celebrating none of these things. Uh, Oh, I got you. I got you, John. I am celebrating hot cocoa day. <laughs> nice. When you said, you know, you texted, you're like, you're making your drink. I'm like, you're making your water. What's this, Andrea? Yes, right. <laughs> I'm going to the mountaintop, gathering it from the yeah. fresh spring. Just give me you're, a moment. You're <laughs> mixing in your Mio or whatever. Right, sort of, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just nice. scooping okay. like a canteen through the icy snow outside, waiting for it to melt. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, okay, random thought. Um, it has has to do with drinking, I guess, uh, in, a, in, a, in a fashion. One of the scenes, so one of my favorite movies ever, often I say is my favorite movie, is Jurassic Park. Yeah. But okay. this movie is filled with flaws, lots of issues. So despite Jurassic these Park flaws... Is? Yes, despite these okay. issues, I still love it. One of those issues is um, Dr. Grant needing to refill yep. his canteen while their Ford Explorers are stuck in front of the Terex uh, pen attic. Yeah. And yep. he sticks it out the window when it's raining yes. and holds it there for what would have to be hours. To right. fill, I mean, think about it. The, the opening to this canteen is like an it's inch so yeah, in no. diameter. And so you're sitting, you know, it's like, oh, where's the two foot funnel that you need right. to refill your canteen from the rain, Dr. Right. Grant? So, so much no. for a science movie. Right. Well, and it would, I mean, I was just thinking about that. It would have to be, I mean, I know it was like a hard rain, but it'd have to right. be like deluge to yeah. get and, anything. And you need to like get, the maybe the rain is kind of funneling along the trim of the door or something right, and you can get it right. like to i don't know yeah no you can't just like stick your arm out and like hey <laughs> look, at, look at all the drinking water i have now yeah i mean if you're desperate and it, you need water you mean just stick your I mean, face don't out not, there you know well and like don't not do it yeah yeah but, i mean like i would make more sense to set your canteen outside 
So then right. if the cars get started, then you grab it before you leave. So whatever right. happened to get in there over the course of two hours, you know, right. so if it's raining a lot and you get two inches of rain in two hours, you've now, you know, at least you've got a little water. Thing in there. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's funny. <laughs> uh, well, that's that. Um, wait, Hey, what kind of hot chocolate you got? Is it just like Swiss miss or you got like a fancy thing? No, I got like a hot cocoa bomb that I uh, bought at the local market and it is a, it was a Mexican hot chocolate flavor. So it's got a little bit of spice to it. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's always, there was like discussion on that a couple years ago somewhere, you know, polls and such. What kind of hot chocolate do you prefer? Do you want fancier, bitter, dark chocolate, maybe some sort of Godiva-esque thing? Or do you want just Swiss Miss and mostly yeah, milk funny, and sugar? Like, I, I didn't think about it until you like started talking about it. But I, I feel like I actually have very specific hot chocolate opinions where I don't drink it very often. So when I do, I want something like a little bit nicer. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah. But I used to love when I was a kid, we'd go cross country skiing every winter and there was like a um, outdoor kind of pavilion with this huge fireplace that we would always stop at along the trail. And we'd bring along like, you know, just hot dogs, roast them over the fire and packets of Swiss Miss. And that was lunch. Like basically yeah. that was it. And it was like the best thing I'd ever eaten because we were so exhausted. It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were like, you know, we were warmed up by the fire after like slogging through the snow and cold. And, you know, you just get that like crackling, crispy hot dog with like just, you know, cheap old Swiss Miss cups of cocoa and styrofoam cups. And God yeah. dang, that was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so I'm my not thing. Like, I'm not a snob. Like, it's not like I won't drink like Swiss Miss or right. whatever. But, you know, that's the time to me that it tastes good. Not when I'm like settling in with like a good book and you know mm. some cookies and hot yeah. chocolate like no i want something a little bit nicer okay yeah i can't argue with that but i i also agree with the nostalgia factor of swiss miss so yeah yeah for sure mm -hmm. um well i i did make a cocktail tonight um all right so lay it on me here for those that are our viewers here um Ooh, fancy it should have a orange peel in it for garnish mm -hmm. but i don't have any oranges and i have no means to of obtaining an orange presently so yeah. uh I, I had to uh i added some orange bitters instead uh i thought that had to be a little bit of a something but i made this based on a recipe from this book here that i got from my parents-in-law this was i actually got this last year i think for christmas okay. so um but it's a really nice book so for those not watching it's called gotham city cocktails official handcraft of food and drinks from the world of batman and cool. um it has a really nice like introduction in it about kind of the history of cocktails in gotham a little bit um, okay. I thought that was fun. I, I like a lot when things take this seriously, you know, they pretend like it's a thing that would act, you know, actually exist right. or whatever. 
um, we, versus we would actually to like, sell this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just the, the end of it, I thought was interesting um, in the intro. There are a few things for the uninitiated to know about Gotham City's unique mixed drinks. Like other important ports on the eastern seaboard, the first cocktails were based on rum. After independence, the preferred spirit became rye whiskey. But it was during Prohibition when things really started to get interesting, when Gotham City diverged from everywhere else. Bars, especially those in the Narrows, never closed. Business boomed as out-of-towners flocked to the city. Because of this legacy, Gotham City's cocktails are a little stronger, a little stranger, and a little darker. I kind of like that. Is that fun? Yeah. 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 So huh. I made um, I, I, a lot of these I don't have a lot of the ingredients for. I'm thinking of maybe just going through it and like, okay, I'll do this one, get the ingredients for it, and make that one, go through the whole sure. book. Um, but what I made is called First Foe. Um, okay. So um, if you could tell by the look of it, it's kind of a martini. And um, this, the description here says, Stephen Crane, Alfred Stryker, or Stryker, and Paul Rogers were Batman's first criminal adversaries. An enterprising Gotham City bartender was quick to create a martini when news of the foe's encounter spread through the city. An homage to an event that would change Gotham City forever. Appreciate, uh, uh, appreciative and nostalgic citizens frequently order the cocktail to this day. So it is uh, two ounces of London dry gin, Three quarters ounce dry vermouth, quarter ounce Cointreau, a dash of Angra Tour. I never gonna say it. I never. Angostura. I read it and never say it. Yeah, bitters, Angostura. Okay, bitters, yeah. and an orange twist for garnish. So. Ooh, that sounds delicious. That sounds like right First up my alley. Fall. Like. Yeah, it's it's not complicated. With like an orange twist, I love orange. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. That's this book. I haven't tried it yet, so I'm gonna try it first here, live. See if it's any good. Ooh, live reaction shot. Oh, it's very good. It's really awesome. good. And like, regardless of not having the orange peel, I could smell the orange immediately with that Cointreau and the the orange bitters did help. That that smells pretty pretty strongly yeah. of orange. So so you get that that you know fragrance. Right. But yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Um, yeah. That's my cocktail. And I'll do more of these. And I thought this was also holiday appropriate because for me, Batman Returns is a, is a Christmas movie. So sure. I always have a little Batman in my life for Christmas. Sure. So I yeah. am. I feel like, I mean, it's it's a little more stretchy, but Batman and Robin also feels like a Christmas movie. Just because they I spend know, so much does. time with Mr. Freeze. Right. I mean, yes. I, I generally tend not to watch it just because it's so painful. But sometimes, mm -hmm. like, you're just in the mood for a good, bad movie. And that just, mm -hmm. it just is. It is a good, bad movie. I have we a bad, bad it. movie to talk about later. Ooh, um, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I, it, I, I still am bummed that Batman Forever gets the bad shake that it does. I was just I listening too. to I a group of people. Movie. They were talking about, um, the, you know, best Batmans and some of that. And, you know, generally people often still are like Batman, the animated series. That's the best. That is Batman. If you want like a yeah. definitive, what is Batman? That's Batman. Totally. But as far as totally. live action iterations, you know, everybody, 
everybody forgets Batman Forever. It was the transition movie. Everybody talks Batman and Robin because that was some hot so garbage. Yeah. Yeah, it's so easy <laughs> to talk about because it's terrible. Yeah. And then I guess people at the time freaked out at Batman Returns because it was too dark. You know, yeah. parents and stuff are like, what is this? It's like, well, this is Batman, you know, and it's awesome. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it not being appreciated in its time, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I, I feel like we've all come around to Batman Returns and like oh, recognize yeah. what a great movie it is. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the real. I mean, obviously, Pattinson might complicate things now, but like for so long, I feel like the real decision people had to make was Keaton or Bale. Hmm. You know what I mean, yeah, like, if I mean, you talk about a great, great Batman, like great Batman films, like live action, like that's what you talked yeah. about, Keaton or Bale, and you just yeah. sort of like skipped over Kilmer and Clooney. Well, and you're you're skipping over Batfleck. Oh, I am. I am. I am totally skipping over Batfleck just because I just can't with it. You know, see, what I've heard is a lot of people now are sort of um, like really like Keaton as Batman and really like Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. Oh, sure. Sure. I get it. So because to me, that's you know we have to, you know, if if the conversation is who's best all around, both right. in and out of the cowl, but you know, I, I'm I still think the best Batman is Michael Keaton, and the best Bruce Wayne is Val Kilmer. Yes, I love his Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. His he he fits in the suit. It's not like a physical thing for me. Where like when Ben Affleck is in the suit and I'm just like, there's Ben Affleck's chin on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't do that with Kilmer, but there was just something less believable about him in the suit. You know what I mean? Well, like where whereas the like nipples? I was totally uh, not even the nipples, although I do enjoy the like joke about it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Where like Batman Forever, obviously they take it way too far in uh, Batman and Robin. Yeah, but it, yeah, just he wasn't quite comfortable. His movements were a little stiff, you know, when okay. he made his turn. And it and I don't think it's his fault. It's just like they didn't have the best technology to like build what would be both a convincing, durable suit that would also be mobile. And I did appreciate that about. Bale's films when they talked about designing a suit it was always like god okay so like you know I can deflect a knife but I can't like raise my arms all the way what are we gonna do about this you know it was like that challenge of creating a suit I do kind of love it when superhero movies take that on like directly yeah like, except the suit never looked suit? good that's the it problem. didn't look good but but I appreciated the fact that like it's but it's like a real world like if I'm gonna be a yeah. superhero I want to be, you know, durable, potentially, you know, blade proof, maybe even a little bit bullet deflective, bulletproof. But how do I move? And I just mm-hmm. remember thinking, like, during some of Batman Forever's action sequences, it was like Val Kilmer couldn't, like, turn to look at something. He would have to be like, I'm turning. Sure. So, right. Yeah. There was always no, just something, sure. like, uh, not quite, you know, fitting about 
Batman, and I don't think it's his fault per se. Yeah, I think you have to shoot around that. I think you have to shoot knowing that that's sort of, you know, your limitations. Your limitations. Yeah. Yep. Because, like, um, you know, for me, it's not saying that Kilmer doesn't do a good job as Batman. It's just that I love so much Michael Keaton as Batman. It really sure. is, like, the voice and then the structure of that suit, the classic look of that, the, that it isn't sure. particularly realistic. It really is that perfect bat silhouette. I like yeah. the little bit of fantasy element that's added to Batman, you know, where it is the, you turn around and he's gone, you know, and the next spot he's there. Like there's no realistic explanation for how he disappears or whatever. He just, it is there's, so there's a little bit of the, right. the kind of stalker murder thing, like in a slasher where the victim is running and then the, the slasher, it can just walk slowly, but always catches right. up. Right. There's some of that with Batman. Or like appears like in front else. of them and you're like, yeah, no. Exactly. So there's a bit, a bit of physicality and movement and stuff that we don't yeah. need to see from Batman to create that fear uh, for the victim that he's, you know, or for the right. criminal that he's, he's uh, stalking. And so I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like um, you said it perfectly earlier. This film gets caught as a transition film. And it gets an unfair rap in, I think, a lot of aspects of transitioning from, like, the Keaton world to, like, a Bale world of just, you know, like, total reality. Like, everything yeah. has to be believable. But, you know, it's it's a great transition. It's still got, yeah. like, fun, colorful elements of, like, a more cartoonish, you know, feature. But at the same time, like, it's a live-action movie and there are no like plot holes where you're like, oh, my God, like this is just, yeah. you know, totally out of the realm of, you know, I can't even suspend my disbelief here. Yeah, the 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 knocks I'll give it again, a give against it are the um, Commissioner Gordon. They never cast Commissioner Gordon properly in those movies and Tim Burton ones and stuff. He was not like I liked the portrayal, but that's not Commissioner Gordon that I would be familiar with. And then. Joker and oh, sorry, Riddler and yeah, Two Face like, whoa, 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 are whoa, whoa. essentially like sort of Jokers. So it's like they want to just have Joker be there. They're they're very they're very removed from what those characters are. And like I get it in a more comedic take that they have yeah. here. Um, and I still love that, but it is not particularly uh, very well locked to what their characters would be. You know, yeah, that sort of relationship between the two of them, even that buddy thing like that's, yeah. you know, it's yeah. really fun to see. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Jim Carrey have great chemistry to do it. But at the same time, you do look at it going like, yeah, that wouldn't really happen this way. It's fun yeah. that it does. And it's fun that we get to see it and see what that would look like. But yeah, it's not again, it's not the most realistic Mm-hmm. but uh alan, alan says in in our chat here pattinson yeah Just he's question mark pattinson he's i haven't really figured that out yet i need to watch it again i yeah i haven't figured out his place yet because i feel like i just went into that movie so nervous and it exceeded mm-hmm. my expectations that i need to watch it again to like get a real feeling for how 
where I would place him in my ranking of mm -hmm. Batman. Higher you know than how... I expected, for sure. Right. You know how, you know, we don't get a lot of interaction on Twitter, and then I post something about maybe Batman. Boy, that looks really long. And then we get a whole bunch of interaction on Twitter. It's like, why don't you just not see the movie then? Um, the Batman could have been shorter. <laughs> like, it, it didn't need shorter. to be that long. Okay. It's, yeah. it, uh, we, we transitioned oddly to a final kind of piece of the film that really felt odd. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. So, all you still a good movie like, defenders but yeah, I mean, out there. That, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. I, uh, I mean, I love the movies that I love and, you know, I can I can hear negative things and be like, that's not going to change my mind. But it doesn't mean that it's not grounded in some sort of reality. Sometimes. Right. Yes. Like, exactly. Like I can't view the movies that I love with a critical eye. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um. OK. Batman discussion aside, we what have you been were... up to this week? Um, um, as I as I ask, as you as you put marshmallow, I know, I know. I was like, "Oh, he's gonna do it right when I do this." Um, so I've kind of been doing like another grab bag week of things. Um, Chris hosted a Home Alone movie night at his school, so I watched the OG Home Alone, which was really fun. I hadn't seen that in a while. I don't think we watched it last year, so. It's always cool. fun to watch that movie and the second movie and just like count the number of ways the wet bandits would be dead from these pranks. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I know. Right. Which one like, has a higher counter too? One or two? Oh God. Yeah. I'd have to watch two to see. I just watched but... two. So you watched one this oh, week. Sure. I watched yeah, two. Yeah, no, we'll have to compare. So. Um, my, my favorite one um, is definitely Marv the Skeleton. Like when Marvis he's like holding onto the sink, yeah, and he yeah, gets yeah, electrocuted, and he's just like, ah, yeah. ah. and then they just like <laughs> flash to like you know some yeah. dressed up skeleton. That's my like absolute favorite prank ever. That's mm -hmm. just, and then even afterwards, how he's like, how he crawling and shaking on the ground. Yeah. And stuff. Oh like, gosh, it's so good. good. He's a good yeah, physical so, actor. They both are. Oh, my God, they're just mm -hmm. rewatching it. You just get like such an appreciation for like the levels of commitment. And the ways that they had to be uniquely injured and yeah. like make it, you know what I mean? And act injured in different ways. Like you can't just be like, yep. ow, it hurts. Like, yeah. Yep. So. I realized watching this again, that that's why I like, sometimes I'll do out of like a fake frustration or something. I'll go like, that's what yeah. he does in this when he gets yeah, injured and stuff. Yep. It's after the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. Influential yeah, as a kid. Those movies are so solid. They're so good. Mm -hmm. Also, like, you just have to wonder, like, at the writers who came up with all of this stuff. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. They come up with a lot. And it all has of, to Like, like torture events? Together. Yeah. I mean, first of all, like, who are these sicko people? These sicko geniuses. <laughs> but also, like, it all has to like be one long, like elaborate maze that works together. Yep. You can't just think of like, what if we do this like cool thing? It all has to like flow into the next thing. So yeah. Yeah. Mousetrap. 
yeah, it's just that that to me is just like, you know, an, an impressive mind who can put that together. Well, so. and these two movies are, you know, there is something that we're missing a lot today. They're really, you know, they're competently shot. They're scored by John Williams. And then yep. they um, they have just like clean, simple messages. You know, they really do work for Christmas or for the holidays or whatever, for a family or for kids. They're just like easily distilled simple things. Like in the second one, the message is, hey, you might think you hate your family um, and they really get on your nerves. But in the end, you really got to think about them and appreciate them because you probably do love them and you would miss them if if they were gone. Like that's well, about all it is with a little bit of like, hey, there's a there's a homeless person here and like maybe they're, you know, you know, don't treat them poorly. And there's more to them right. than you think, you know, like it's just right. simple. Well, and like that's really the I mean, when it boils down to it, the plot of the first one, too. Just, sure. you know, like your your um, unexpected, you know, friend slash savior is in the second one, you know, the the woman, the <clears throat> excuse me, the homeless woman in the park. Yep. The first one is like the scary neighbor who everybody tells tales right. about. And really his story is just like so simple and also sad. And it's just like, be nice. You don't yeah. know people's story. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's okay, Andrea. You can cough it out. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 that time of year. <coughs> but yeah, these two movies are classics. Third one, I've never watched. I think there's even a fourth. I've also never watched that. I'm not interested. You know, these first two. I was sad to see that the second one actually had a bad like Rotten Tomatoes score and stuff. It's like 60 some percent or whatever. I'm just like, there's nothing to complain about with these movies. They're wholesome and fun. So I don't know. But I'm glad together we both watched the the right amount of the important uh, movies. Yes. Yeah. The relevant mm -hmm. ones. Yep. Yeah, I caught uh, one piece of Home Alone 2 on TV the other day. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and it's the best part. It's uh, Maureen O'Hara slapping Tim Curry across the face, which is just like, yeah, the absolute. And then he's, <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't. Yeah. His, <laughs> yes, that was good. Thank you. His facial mm -hmm. expressions just cannot be matched. Mm hmm. He's an interest, interesting guy, man. Like between him and Rob Schneider, it's a good like ensemble, you know, fill a cast to fill out the movie. Yes. And um, yeah, I didn't, I definitely didn't appreciate those things as a kid, you know, just whatever. And uh, no, yeah, I looked it up too. The the movie uh, that they they made like shot these scenes from that old movie that he plays, he recorded and everything um, with yeah. the guy like, but my Tommy gun don't. Um, that wasn't a real movie and stuff like that. We were just curious if that was a real thing. And so they, they made it for this, but have you, um, have you seen the new like home alone commercial with Macaulay Culkin where it's like, if home alone happened in 2022. Oh, a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. With like the smart home stuff. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just back on the air with like a vengeance. I've seen it like okay. at least 25 okay. times now, but <laughs> wow. It's the right time. Yeah. <clears throat> 
I have seen the one with his mother uh, and like Kevin Hart. Yes, that was of. fun. That was fun. Maureen O'Hara. Yeah. So. Yep. Oh, good. We got some Christmas movies in. Yes. Yes. I also watched the uh, the holiday episode of the Great British Baking Show, which was a rollicking good time. Um, they made like pies out of Christmas leftovers. They did um, traditional like chocolate Yule logs, and then they did. Uh, you had to make a Christmas tree out of like either biscuits, as they as they say, cookies, mm-hmm. um, or you know some other kind of like fun, like non cake substance. So two of the people chose like meringue, which, dang, I mean, if you're going for that, <laughs> good on you. Like that would not be my choice for like baking. If I was not a baker, but but you had to make wait you had to make cake you had to make cake or cook Christmas trees Christmas trees out of non cake substance so Mm. two bakers chose cookies and uh, and did they so they built it like a three dimensional tree not like a flat okay all right yep Hmm. so well I'm guessing they made it an Italian meringue for that I guess that holds yeah holds firmer. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, they were they were kind because the holiday episode, they do. Excuse me. So the first iteration of holiday episodes they did was like bringing back all star cast members. But now recently they get like guest stars who are on like television shows and they come in and it's just like amateur baking hour and they mm. just like have fun with it or whatever. Um, like last year, I think they got. Uh, the cast of Dairy Girls on Netflix, if uh, if yeah. you've seen that or know about it at all. Um, mm-hmm. And then this year was like a another British show called It's a Sin, which I'd never heard of, but apparently is like blowing up right now. It's super hot. So. Oh, OK. going to see. Hmm. going to see. I might check that out. But yeah, it was still cute. hot right now. Hot right now. Um, yeah. So I watched that. Of course, I watched Westworld. Um, and I also just wanted to mention, because it was, like, such a fun game, I watched the final match. I had been watching, you know, bits and pieces here and there of games, but I watched the uh, the final match of the World Cup, and it was just, like, one of the most exciting games. Like, just, you know, Argentina was winning, and then, like, France came back. And then, uh, you know, there was, like, penalty shootouts, and... You know, it was just like all the things that could be like dramatically happening were happening. So mm-hmm. just made it like, I don't know. Like I forgot, I forgot how much fun it is to watch soccer. Football. It can be. It can be. Yeah, right. Yes. I I just was bummed. I kind of like, I don't think I watched many. I, I only think I watched part of one game throughout the course of the whole thing. But I was kind of keeping tabs here and there on like which country yeah, sure. I wanted to win or whatever. And and at the end, I'm like, well, come on, France, let's go. So I was rooting for France because I have, you know, uh, in-laws that are French and most yeah. cu- culturally aligned with with uh, with France. So it's like that's what I was rooting for. But, but yeah, didn't I didn't complain uh... about second place, I guess. Yeah, I... I was happy for Messi because I feel like he's chased it for so long. Oh, okay. You know? Mm. Um, so I was happy he got it because I didn't think he had another World Cup in him. Okay. 
But I was bummed because, like, you know, France fought so hard and they had such a great comeback. And you could just see, like, the devastation on their faces as, like, the penalty kicks were progressing. And it was just, like, looking less and less likely. And it was just like, oh, God. You know? Did I hear, though, that France was a defending champ? It's like, yeah. they win last? Okay. So, I mean, I understand, you know, that way it's like, oh, you won before, so. Right. I mean, you know, like, it's not like you've never been and this was like your shot. Yeah, right. You know, so. so. Cool. So, yeah. And then uh, I, wa- I uh, read a couple webtoons. I picked uh, the guy upstairs back up. Which is a uh, thriller horror um, about, of course, the guy upstairs and whether or not he is a serial killer. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a really good webtoon. I really like it so far. Um, and then I picked up Marry My Husband, which is a time travel reincarnation <clears throat> um, type of webtoon where this woman uh, gets transported 10 years prior in her life and has like a chance to fix a lot of things that went wrong and get revenge on the people who wronged her. It's very fun. I like it so far. I feel like Ashley's read that one. I think she's read that one. And then uh, the guy upstairs, I did start. It's been a while, so I haven't, uh, I'm sure I'm very far behind on or whatever, but I was enjoying that. Um, I thought that was well drawn and, and I got to the part where like, She's thinks she saw the guy, yeah, you know, killing someone, uh, like minor spoilers early on or whatever, you know, and and then yeah. it wakes up and you know, all this stuff is going, and so I got to that little bit or whatever. So that's only like I don't know what it is, that's five where, in or something. That's where I was too, actually. Um, and now there are there, you know, a bunch more that are, I mean, not a ton, but enough to like kind of you know, do a little mini binge and move the story forward again. I was like, yeah, this is really good. Yep. Nice. Okay. We'll have to keep going on that. Yeah. Um, I don't think I read any other webtoons this week. Um, or comics either. Uh, other than my one, my one manga, I guess, uh, Kowloon volume two. I did finish that. Uh, I've been looking forward to it a bunch. I might do a full review on uh, a morning show or something, but it's the the short you know short of it is it's still good but it's not as um it's not as well paced as the first one i I really like the the setup the world building the kind of like where are we at story of the first one and some interesting mystery elements that were introduced but in the second one i feel like we kind of just asked more questions and we introduced some weird things that were good but by the time we got through um mm. through the whole volume we really hadn't learned anything we we hadn't yeah. learned you know about uh previous questions and we just got more new questions so yeah oh. um yeah. so i still like it i'm gonna keep going um but i wish that by the end of this i had you know, they, they answered a couple things. Sure. Um, let's see, still watching Chainsaw Man, still very good. This week's episodes felt really short. Um, 
we're kind of, yeah, I mean, that's still great. And then I've been, um, my other Christmas movie was Die Hard. I hadn't seen that in years. So I finally watched that again. Um, and then I watched a few different Bond movies. So I often think of James Bond movies as a Christmas thing as well, just because there was a time period where often they'd have James Bond marathons on like satellite television or whatever during certain holidays, particularly Christmas. So um, I watched For Your Eyes Only and The World's Not Enough and Diamonds Are Forever. And then I watched some behind the scenes features for The Living Daylights. So okay. quite a bit of Bond stuff. For Your Eyes Only is the first Bond movie I've ever seen. I we My parents bought really? it on VHS or whatever. Yep, back in the day. So that was the first you, one I watched. You saw Roger Moore first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Okay. And I feel lucky that I did because it introduced me to that kind of Bond. And then I obviously mm -hmm. grew up really with, with uh, Pierce Brosnan. Mm -hmm. um, and... I think that For Your Eyes Only is the best Roger Moore Bond um, sure. film. And I was actually making a list this morning, like, which, what, are, what would be my top five Bond movies? Because I really don't know. There's so many to go through. But anyways, I think this is the best Roger Moore one. Um, I watched World's Not Enough, which uh, I think is, has only gotten better with time. Like, mm -hmm. I feel at the moment when it came out, it was a bit so-so upon reception, but I really actually like a lot of the movie. There's, I, I feel like it doesn't stick the ending. The main villain could have been more somehow, um, but ultimately I think that it's a pretty darn good movie. The story makes sense. It doesn't hold your hand. They have a good slew of Bond girls in there. Um, right. It's yeah, it's not it's not too crazy over the top as we get in the next one. You know, it's it's that transition one again before it yeah. goes to all out insanity. So right, right. No, I I really like that one. I think um, the plot line is actually more prescient now. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's more mm -hmm. relatable now that we're like kind of in the midst of like this questioning of reliance on like fossil fuels and like you know pipelines mm, and things like that stuff. are so yeah it's just such like a you know at the time it seems like so far-fetched and now it just sort of feels like that's not out of the realm of possibility you know i i like the i think the bond <laughs> movies have always done pretty good at doing something that feels like it fits for today like i was watching this there's a good youtube channel it's called like the bond experience and he was, he's always asked, like, should Bond be a woman? Should Bond be modernized in different ways? And his thing is, like, Bond, Bond movies have always been modern because Bond movies always sort of deal with the now. Um, but Bond himself should be the thing that stays constant. It's, mm -hmm. the, it's the supporting cast. It's the situation around him. It's the technology. It's all the different stuff that can change but Bond needs to be Bond or you lose the core of what, what is even the purpose of having these films be called Bond anymore. Which is, so I, I, I mean, like that. Yeah. It's just kind of funny though, obviously to, in the sense of like Bond does change. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? He, like, like, yeah. I mean, it's like different actors with slightly different takes on Bond. Interpretations, yes. I, I totally get the crux of what, you know, that statement is. And I agree. It's just like also at the same time, a little bit ironic. Yeah. You, you, and I, I like that each actor brings themselves a little bit or some different take, you know, a little to it. It does have to fit the tone of the story you're telling, you know, in, right. in a sense and all that stuff and the type of villain you're going to have. And you do have to, otherwise it's going to feel really disjointed, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ashley actually bought me the other year a tie that Pierce Brosnan wears in the world's not enough. So a good, That's cool. yeah, it's good one. Um, speaking of just, just is the, uh, the one I haven't seen. Really? Yeah. Ah, I was going to say, speaking of disjointed diamonds are forever is not good. I think it's maybe it's definitely in the running for my worst bond film ever, uh, award. It's, it's sad because this is the one that Connery came back for. I was just going to say that. (laughs) I thought that was that one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not completely irredeemable. It has a good theme song, I think, and it has um, a few good Bond girls and some nice fashion or whatever. But otherwise, it's really weirdly paced. The intro is confu- not good. Um, it doesn't. It it doesn't feel like a Bond movie in a number of ways. Like it doesn't feel sleek. It why things it, they feel like they're trying really hard to make it a bond film. Like there is these uh, two women in there. I forget their names now. I've even I just watched. They have kind of silly names or whatever, but they do this really like sort of uh, over the top. I'm going to, you know, beat you up bond things. And it's just silly. It, it's, it, it's like, it's like they were prepping themselves for the Roger Moore days, but it wasn't. And it was kind of the thing, like they were fitting almost sure. what would be what more appropriate in a Roger Moore film with Sean Connery. And sure. um, I just, it was not good. It did not. I'd like to hear someone defend this movie um, because I love almost every Bond movie for something, but this is sure. one I would be okay not watching again, actually. So. Well, now I'm like so curious. I have to watch it. You have to watch it. I mean, yeah, I you- do, but yeah, I just, I always forget about it. I think because it's the one Connery came back for and I just was sort of like nervous about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of something funny though, I did learn um, about the world is not enough. Uh, the credits don't, or the, yeah, the opening sequence doesn't appear until 15 minutes into the movie, which is the longest Oh, okay. That they they hold off for like that intro. It is a long opening, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just I I didn't really think about it until it was just like trivia about world is not enough, and I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. just take a while. Because I was thinking yeah, about it, it's very Christmassy between like obviously Doctor Christmas Jones, yeah, um, and like the opening, you know, avalanche ski battle. Yeah, well, that's a little later. That's a little later, but yeah, right. It, it, I, any, a lot of Bond movies have the skiing and stuff or whatever, but yes. the, on top of it, having the, yeah, Christmas Jones adds I mean, a lot to Christmas movie element. Yeah, and she's not great, but also good. You know, like I, 
I do enjoy her there. It's just there's some lines that shouldn't have been given to her or should have had a couple more takes or something, you know. um, Had a coach. Yeah, something. You know, I don't know. They could have just said, oh, let's skip that line. Let's not do that one. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's the last one where we have uh, Hagrid, you know, uh, what, Robbie Coltrane, right? Valentine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad because now he's not around anymore. Um, yeah, Alan says we're missing the Aston Martins. That's true. That was one of the worst elements of the Pierce Brosnan movies was the yes. BMWs. I was not a fan of any of those. Yep. But yep. Yeah. Until we get to the next one. But then things got crazy. So <sighs> anyways. The invisible car. It's just. Yes. Oh well, see, this is the last one we get to see Q as well. World's Not Enough is also on the last one with Q because yeah. then it get, he gets replaced with, at the time, you know, R, uh, or I think right. they call him Q in the next one or whatever, you John know. Which, yeah, which yeah. great choice, honestly, to continue Q, but that only, that didn't last long, you know. No, no. And then so. we got, yeah, younger reboot Q. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Well, that's been my week. Um, we got a few news stories going from one spy thing to another spy thing. Tom mm-hmm. Cruise, um, the other year posted this thing. Hey, th- thanks for your support on stuff here. We're, yeah. you know, and he was filming that from the outside of a plane and then like the planes just took off or whatever with him on. It was a cool stunt. Well, he did mm-hmm. put out two new videos now. One is another thing kind of like that. He's in a plane talking about thanks and the you know upcoming Mission Impossible movies and all that stuff. And then he jumps out of the plane, but then the camera follows him this time while he's like, you know, falling for quite a ways. And um, that's fun. But then we have yeah. another video really going over like this new big stunt they've been preparing for years for. Um, yeah. Something I guess that he's always wanted to do and so this video is a good watch if you haven't seen it. They talk about the, you know, it's basically driving a motorcycle off a cliff and letting the bike go and then opening a parachute. That's yep. the stunt. And uh, the way that, you know, this video talks about it and all that. It's, it's, it's a lot awesome. of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the first one, uh, I I loved the fact that he was like filming for Mission Impossible, and he was both in and out of a plane because I feel like, but he was talking and thanking the audience for making Top Gun Maverick such a success. And I loved it because I felt like it was such an encapsulation of his two biggest franchises. You know what I mean? Mm. Like being in and out of a plane. Like Top Gun is all about like, Mm. what can you do inside a plane? And then obviously Mission Impossible. I just feel like so many of the stunts are like, outside of planes like the biggest ones have been like jumping out of planes or holding onto a plane or whatever yeah yeah no in like um it's interesting to consider even now like top gun as a franchise because for the longest time obviously it was a movie so now we have one more right. oh. i hope we i hope that's it you know whatever we just you know we had this we had this fun treat you know, many years down the line, kind of right. tributes to the first one and like, you know, moving on the story a little bit. But. Right. Yeah. I mean, I say franchise just because I feel like 
its popularity is such that of a you know of a franchise yeah. it's so recognizable it's so well known it's so well done like it just feels somehow like there's a, it's whole a big impact in it yeah but yeah. yeah so do you have a favorite mission impossible movie and have you seen them all i've not seen them all no okay um the what was the last one I don't know if it was Rogue Nation was one. Um, I always I forget the names of the them. Last two. There's Fallout, Rogue Nation. Um, oh, what else? So it's Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible 3, Mission Impossible 4, which is, I think, Fallout. And then, oh, wait, maybe I'm wrong. Let's is see. that Ghost Protocol? It's got the picture. Oh, yeah, Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Protocol. Then Rogue Nation, then Fallout. So it's Rogue Nation or Fallout is one of the ones I haven't seen. Okay. Fallout is so good. That's the last one. I honestly think the... Yeah. Okay, I've seen that. I think maybe Rogue Nation is the one I haven't seen then. That's the weakest one, I think, in my opinion, actually. Okay. Sure. You win. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the weakest one. Um, Yeah, no, that's the one I haven't seen. Okay. Nice. I don't remember why, but... Yeah, I just right. haven't seen that one. I haven't got around to it. So, so yeah, um, that's one, two, three, four, five, six. So parts seven and eight are going to be coming out. It sounds like they're filming both back to back as we speak. And right. um, yeah, cool to get these uh, stunt updates. Yeah, so. Dead Reckoning part one. Yeah. Part two. Yep. I kind of, I kind of hope it's not called that. Oh really? Part one and part yeah. two of Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Okay. I just I don't I don't ever enjoy that. Hmm. Uh, you know, but it part one and part two. I do. I just. But don't. if something is such a continuation of the story that it would you'd want to call it part one and two, you need to make it clear to the audience what is the first one and the next one. Because other Mission Possibles, so like, mostly you could watch. However, if you really want it, yeah. you know. I get that. I just don't like the part one and part two. I know. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I've never just been like a fan of that. But yeah. even just calling it like Dead Reckoning one and Dead Reckoning two, like sure. I don't know why that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. Uh, well, you should check out those videos if you haven't seen them. Um, moving, we were, we were talking Batman earlier. Um, mm-hmm. We might as well talk more kind of Batman adjacent things again, mm-hmm. make my cocktail fit even better. So last week, um, said it here or whatever. It was speculation time because, you know, we know that James Gunn is running things over at the DC and Warner brothers for their movie plans. Um, a lot more stuff has come out about this now. And yeah. as opposed to us just guessing, we have a, a little more confirmation of how things are are shaping up over there a little bit. Um, is it how you expected? Um, disappointingly, yes. Okay. Um, I mean, I know I talked last week about like I feel like this is the wrong move for DC to try to do this like universal shifting reboot realignment because. Do people care? People are tired. People don't want to abandon things that you have made them care about in favor of something new. 
Um, so like, yeah, this is like everything I said I wasn't excited about happening. Um, I mean, we know now that like Wonder Woman three, uh, is, is not moving forward and it's not like just a solo issue between Gunn and Jenkins. It's like part of a broader scheme of, you know, super, any Superman related content is not going to be moving forward with Cavill because they're penning like a younger years, Superman, uh, black Adams, not moving forward. Um, or at least like f- movies focused on that character are not moving forward. I think there's one other that got the axe as well. Um, oh yeah, um, we're we're st- we're still in uh, in the lurch on Momoa. Um, they haven't really said if I don't think anyway if Aquaman Lost Kingdom is going to be like his penultimate turn. As I mean, Aquaman. the writing is on the wall, right? The writing's I, on I the mean, wall. I mean, I feel yeah. like it's it's happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is this is just like a clean sweep of many DC characters um, who don't have films like immediately coming out. Like you know, like Shazam yeah. is not going away because Shazam is basically about to be released, so can't really right. like axe that right now especially when they need content to still put out while they're putting their their plan together but yeah Yeah. i'm just i'm disappointed because i'm disappointed for the actors that i really enjoy in these roles i was just kind of hoping that some reshaping of this universe would involve them getting better shakes at better movies um and I, it, that doesn't mean I don't understand that, you know, Gunn is like, I need to create my own thing. I just want to, like, clear the slate and start over. I, it doesn't mean I don't get that. But it, but it, at the same time, I can still be disappointed about it. Yeah. Especially, I'm especially sad for Cavill and uh, The Rock. Um, I think Cavill is just such, like, a a rug pull after he announced and he was so excited and, you know, he's like, I'm back. And then it's like, whoops, just kidding. Like, it's just kind of a shitty thing to do to him. Not again, not James Gunn's fault because he wasn't there at that point, but I feel bad. Um, especially because I was like, Oh, he's getting out of like a bad situation with the Witcher and he seems so excited to be back being Superman. And now that just feels like also, you know, like I said, he got the rug pulled out from under him. And I feel bad for The Rock because he's so, so passionate. He's waited so long to get a Black Adam movie. And I really was excited about the potential of where our next one could go. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm bummed that that doesn't seem to be in the works. Sure. So, Do you think audiences would have trouble with basically a soft reboot or for all intents and purposes, a reboot, but picking and choosing the pieces that they wanted to be holdovers? Like, would audiences have problems with that? Or is it more clear for an audience, like, nope, this is new, and it's gonna, you're gonna know it's sure. new because it's clearly all new? Sure. I mean, I think, it, obviously, it's easier for audiences to just, like, wipe a slate and then be like, start here. Like, mm-hmm. timeline-wise, it's easy to be like, 
this was the old, this is the new. Um, I think that it's tougher. It's a tougher job that Gunn has to do to make audiences care because there are going to be, I think, leftover holdover feelings about, you know, characters that could have been, and there, there's, there's going to be a lot of what could have been's and there'll be some, I think, like, like I'm expressing, you know, obviously here, some disappointment, some sadness, some like resistance to a new universe. So in that sense, I think it's more difficult for audiences to get into new things because there's a, why did I care about this before if it was all going to be ripped away from me? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, doesn't mean I don't respect the fact that like he has a vision. He, he came in and he wants a plan. I understand, especially in terms of Superman, him, you know, with him having ideas for already penning a script about a younger years, Superman, obviously that would fit better with the things they are choosing to keep like, um, Pattinson's Batman, everybody there in that universe is younger. So if they're ever going to do some sort of like crossover, you know, bridging companion, like we're in each other's worlds kind of film, um, it makes sense for them both to be younger. I get it. Yeah. It, you know, I, 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 get, see, I get the idea there. And I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to do it though. I mean, I think there was some, you know, discussion of that before because the weird thing is, well, he has a, to my understanding, 10 year plan. So I don't really know right. that they're not going to do it. Right. The So apparently part of the deal for James Gunn taking over is you can't, they can't touch the Joker sequel, the Batman sequel, or right. the JJ Abrams produced black Superman project. Those three things they can't touch supposedly. And so yeah. that kind of messes with your, the, idea of clean slate one universe when you already have these things like no we can't have this so would you but, bend and incorporate those or because they're gonna be very they're different not, they're not gonna be part of the universe though except for maybe batman because joker already feels like outside of all of this do you know what i'm saying because oh yeah because not only it tonally does it feel different but because we did get introduced potentially obviously not like 1000 percent sure but i'm pretty sure um to joker in the batman in pattinson's batman right. so already oh, yeah. already we're having to like diverge from the fact that like these two movies would be connected in any right. way shape or form he can't touch um the black Superman movie, but if he's already penning like his own Superman movie again, is this just going to be like some project outside? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yes, cool random movie over here that explores a character, but also it's not like the full universe that I'm intending to build. And I, I mean, I don't think he was ever going to touch Batman anyway, because DC that's the biggest success that DC's had in a bit now. Right. And they're going to hang on to that. 
So yeah. I think it makes sense for him to like go in already being of the mindset, like whatever I create, whatever I do could factor into that. And that's fine mm -hmm. if like, I don't have that creative control, but mm -hmm. I could build around it. I just feel like that could be your excuse as to like, well, we're going to pick and choose what we want to keep. Um, yeah. And we don't have to wipe the slate everywhere because we automatically can't in parts. Um, and I wish I, they I had it. Yeah, I, I want to get I want to give credit to whoever said it because I didn't think of it. I, I forget who it was. It might have been our KL post, but they were saying like in sports, you if you have a Michael Jordan, you build your team around Michael Jordan. So if right. you have someone like a Henry Cavill or even The Rock that, you know, people like in the role, really envision in the role, you know, are very passionate about the role, like whatever you are thinking about for a story, like make it work for your Michael Jordan. Right. Or, right. you know, like that's what you got to build around because right. if you don't have that, those linchpins, if you don't have the like important thing, you know, what good is the rest of it? You know, because right. I would have to imagine casting someone like a Black Adam, like a Superman, it's very difficult to find someone that can be universally agreed upon. This person seems right for the role. Right. So, like, I'm I have no big, you know, fan connection to the world that Snyder made in the DC mm -hmm. universe, but you know. It's also, you have a couple people here that in large majority, people are very excited and mm -hmm. alike in the roles. I, I would think, I think Wonder Woman too has proven herself is that most people are a yeah, fan of I Gal Gadot agree. being Wonder Woman. And so there's some of these things that just like, it seems like maybe you should, you just make that work. Maybe you make that work. And that would have been my argument and that's what I would have hoped for, but I, uh, yeah, I I can't be upset. I mean, I can be disappointed, but I'm not like, how dare you not do this? Because I get that, right. you know, that's his creative choice. Doesn't mean yeah. I have to like it. Doesn't mean I have to like, you know, see his first slate of movies coming out and go, you know, boy, I'm excited or I really can't wait to support that. I don't know. Withholding judgment. But yeah, in my ideal scenario, you would have kept this star power that you built and just written better movies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of worried that James Gunn is writing Superman. Like, I have no evidence that he can write a Superman kind of movie. No. Um, he's zany, you know? He's, he writes yes, zany. He, he's, like, offbeat yeah. and zany. And he's done some great things. Like, I you know, struggled a little bit with the beginning of the Peacemaker series and then ended up just, like, loving it. Mm -hmm. Like, I loved it. It was great. But that's the kind of character his writing feels suited for. I don't know mm -hmm. that it feels suited for, like, a Superman. Mm -hmm. Like a straight and, yeah. superhero. Yeah. Like a very straight right. and narrow, like... I mean, obviously he's got his own things, but he's not silly. Like no one has ever no. called Superman silly. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I and know. I also don't like, you know, his record of, you know, he has a good record of taking kind of lesser known characters and making his own thing of it. But he doesn't have a great record of like authentic, 
you know, authentically translating any sort of comic book character to the big screen and caring about source material. So like his words of caring about source material and stuff are one thing, but he's not shown that to this point. He's shown that he's passionate about what he does. Like we know right. that and he's talented Committed. with what he does. But, you know, some of the other stuff was as far as, yeah, authenticity and, you know, him managing I clean, you know, you know, straight and arrow Superman. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I get. Yeah. I guess my it's, my other. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's hard because like I really want to balance the fact with like, you know, J James Gunn, you included it here. He put out a statement about like, you know, people being disappointed and he's like, hey, it's not fun to be harassed. And like, no, I don't want anybody to go harass James Gunn over this or like hurl epithets at him or, you know be insulting and and just like kind of that like degrading level of anger but at the same time like you can't expect people to just not be disappointed about this mm -hmm. like and, or, and or at the same that, time you know or feel that you're not the right choice for all of this yeah like right. you're just starting out yeah. like people should give him a chance ish to prove himself but if we're going on your track record you can't like be you know, just completely baffled as to why people have doubts about what you're going to do. Right. Yep. And people also need to stop acting like <clears throat> if people say mean things to them online, they're actually being hurt or something like just right. go log off. <laughs> just right. log off and write your script that you're working on. You know, like you have things you're doing, right? You know, making guardians yet or whatever. Right. Um, don't worry about what I, you know, it just, relax and yeah know right. that you're not going to make everybody happy especially you know right right like you say looking at their track his track record who knows we don't know what's going on you're taking away right. things that people like you're going to have some upset people it's going to happen right right you have to understand that like yeah yeah Every everybody just needs to be like a little bit understanding that this this isn't anybody's ideal scenario in an ideal right. scenario Either he would have come in and said, like, I'm keeping these things and making them better, excited to work, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or none of these things would have happened. And James Gunn would have been hired at the outset to create some sort of, like, 10-year master plan 10 yeah. years ago. Right. You know? Because, yeah. I mean, obviously, one of our biggest complaints of the DC Universe has been, like, the mismanagement, the, like, you know unorganized chaotic approach of like mishmashing characters and worlds and timelines and like how does this fit again and you know dc just going like i'll oh, just believe it does and it does um so yeah so if they wanted to do this like marvel-esque copycat 10-year whatever should have just hired this guy a long time ago or some other guy whoever guy you wanted yeah yeah so you just can't I, I think expected. i think anything is going to be tough right, go with going with a 10-year plan because you plan yeah. that all up and then you have a movie or two that doesn't resonate with an audience what do you do with the rest of your do? plan yeah so yeah dc always just seems to be in the middle of something you know yeah. <laughs> 
like they're just always like stuck in the middle and they can't like finish the execution Mm -hmm. they start off and they're like all these cool things and then you get to the middle and they're like i don't know this doesn't seem to be working like Mm -hmm. go over here look over there so this feels almost like even even though it's like a 10-year like master plan it almost feels like another in the middle like redirect like look over here at this universe and we'll see how bad are shazam and the flash and aquaman gonna bomb like they're i mean they're gonna just i i who is gonna watch the only people are gonna watch this well are people that have no idea that any of this is happening let's which is a lot of people let's be serious about the flash the flash was gonna bomb do you know yes. what I mean? With or without this, the Flash was going to bomb. They were going to try to draw you in with cameos from Wonder Woman and Superman and like Michael totally. Keaton and stuff. Totally. And now they're getting rid of a bunch of that, supposedly. Yep. So, yep. So, yeah, that was good. That was just going to be a failure regardless. So really Shazam and Aquaman. Um, I will still go see Shazam because I really enjoyed it. Fence line about Aquaman. Okay. Cause I, I I like Jason Momoa, but like, am I just gonna like go be disappointed? Kind of like watching like these last couple episodes of Westworld were just you know it was almost just like disappointing. Like I wanted it and I wanted to watch them, but I was also just like, is this just like fruitless? Yeah, (laughs) isn't that silly how we are though with that too? It's like this thing itself doesn't matter if there's not the next thing, you know. Well, because when you know there's the next thing, or yeah. at least there's the possibility of, if they, you know, I mean, I've never gone into a season finale feeling like this is fruitless, I've fe- mm-hmm. or a series finale, like that I know is the series planned series finale. I've never right. gone into one feeling like it's fruitless. Disappointed, either because it's ending too soon or far too late, sure. Mm-hmm. But I've never gone in and been like, what's what's the point of this? Because I can't watch yeah. the thing that was supposed to be. Yep. Yep. Well, a new thing that's uh, that's going to be is, uh, you know, Henry, Henry Cavill's next project, allegedly, Ugh, um, that he is co-producing uh, or executive producing. Uh, it's a Warhammer 40K project. He yep. loves Warhammer 40K. Yep. Uh, big fan of this, so he is working on this. Allegedly, it's going to Amazon Prime, probably. And um, so, hey, you know, he leaves The Witcher. They're not making things that feel like The Witcher anymore, so he leaves. He's going to Superman. They say, this is not the space for you anymore because we're going with a new vision. So it's like, all right, I, I guess I'm going to I'm gonna help fund my own thing. So right. Um, I did hear that he has been reached out to by Witcher folks as a like, well, no more Superman. We could maybe work it out. I don't know. I don't know how how legit, especially considering he has this like project that he's passionate about now. I don't know how legit that is. And I don't know how much he would need to be promised to come back. I'm not saying I would hate it because I hate the idea of Liam Hemsworth taking over, but he, I don't to know. My understanding, like, 
I don't know if this is just like a pipe dream by both fans and, you know, right. uh, the the directors and producers alike. So, yeah, we'll there's see. a lot of that because there was like a a petition up, sign the petition to replace the showrunners and return Henry mm. Cavill. You know, yeah, I mean, I've seen that against some of that. This- this sounded like a, a more legitimate, like he's, he's just been like approached by people, you know, our people mm-hmm. will approach you and they've sent some like feelers out his way. Mm-hmm. Just to, like, You know, see. the interesting thing, um, his agent was until very recently, as I understand it, the rocks agent who is the rocks yes. ex-wife and, yes, uh, Danny she yeah. is fired. Yes. She is no longer his agent after all yes. this stuff. Yep. <laughs> so I don't know who his new agent is, but yeah. I don't know, but yeah, woof. Just mm-hmm. not a not a great uh little stretch of time here. Yeah. I I'm good with I I am good with him not returning to The Witcher. I'm done. I'm out. You know, I'll play the there's upgrade upgraded current gen patch for The Witcher 3. If I want my Witcher fix, I can play that. That's fun. Um the early reviews for this other Witcher prequel show are disastrous. Um, oh, right. Witcher yeah. Blood Origin, yeah. I think, or whatever. Yep, yep. yep. So, Forgot no about interest. That. Yeah, I'm Witcher is over as far as I'm concerned. We'll see what they come up with the next trilogy of Witcher games. So, I'm going to stick into the the game world. So, yeah, I uh, I'm not going to lie, I. Uh, I will probably watch season three. Okay. I don't, I don't feel like I could totally stay away. Okay. I mean, Kevl's Kevl's still involved. So I just, I just got to yeah. know what it's like. Sure. Doesn't mean I'll finish the season, but I feel like I'll start it. Sure. Yeah. Well, you let us know. I will. Um, speaking of things that um, are finished Westworld Yes. You can't even watch it now anymore on HBO no, Max. It's gone. It left I, uh, I was like, just a few days ago, December 18th, it left. Okay, do we have any greater indicator as to why this is? I had no way, shape, or form know why this is. I've read a bunch of articles, and they're just saying, like, it'll be on some of our other series channels or other, other, like, parent company channels. It's going to be on some, like, some free random streaming services. Really? It is, it is on Amazon Prime. Um, there's two options. One that, that's free but isn't available, which I think is interesting. Um, and then the other is you have to buy per episode or obviously per season. Okay. Which is isn't this did. fascinating in this, ar- in this article from GameSpot? The yes. actors for Westworld are being paid, paid for, season for season five, five, even though they're not making it. What the heck? Just make effing season Well, five. I mean, that's, that's you know, marketing is like the overall budget, you know, it's huge. Marketing is huge. I, and then, I know, you know, I know I'm sure they're not paying other production elements, but yes. No, location, uh, like crew, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. director, whatever, like right. wardrobe. I totally get that this is a small part of like full production cost, but I was just like, can you just, can you just do the thing? Can you just do it? <laughs> You're already paying them. Ugh. The way that this ended, of course, was like the, 
and I won't spoiler yet, but the way that this season ended was like, this is what I wanted. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get and into that. Now I'm mad that it's not happening. Huh. I'm even more mad. It's not happening. I should say. Um, but the the showrunners Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy are now making a Fallout TV series, yeah. so based on the video game. Another thing that probably probably don't want, but um, I did um, I did enjoy them saying like we're gonna make it in the Fallout universe, but not like tell an exact right tell the game story. remake the game yeah. somewhere yeah exactly like, yeah right which good mm -hmm. i think we've talked a lot about that being the right move for a lot of people who want to get into that like i want to tell a game in a video or i want to tell a um a story in a video game universe space yep that's the way to go i think you know honestly i, I would rather it be a movie probably than a series but if they did a fallout movie or series if they just focus on you know, in Fallout, basically, you know, everybody, when you come out, you come out of a nuclear bomb shelter, essentially, and there's these right. different vaults or whatever. So you could pick any number vault and have a group of people that you follow that's like just emerging from the vault and you could have all kinds of things going on. If they don't focus too much on the world as so much as like, let's get a good character drama in this world and the world just kind of is where you inhabit, I think it mm -hmm. could be good. Sometimes this stuff gets out of hand when it's trying to like go big picture on some of the things as opposed to just letting you be entrenched right. in where you are a little bit and they forget to tell good character stories. And I mean, right. you can have a murder mystery sort of drama thing in any situation, write a good one in this one. Right. So. But, um, okay. Well, anyways, Westworld, we'll get into it. Get into it in a spoiler-ific fashion, as I mentioned earlier. So um, be warned, if you're interested in Westworld and have not seen it all the way through, we're going to be talking about Westworld. We've talked pretty in-depth about past Westworld, other seasons, what we've thought about them in general, and all that sort of thing. So yeah. uh, to me, the, the focus, like really the interesting story here is, how did, how did the series manage to wrap up how did series four go for, or, you know, season four go for us? And, um, you know, I guess yeah. we can start with, did everything make sense to you? Cause it's been a while since we've watched this, we watched the Gosh, last two episodes. Yeah. How did you end up like picking it up? Were things making sense? All that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like on the whole, yes, things made sense except for a little bit of the final episode. What is what is now the final episode? I mean, obviously they didn't yeah. intend it to be. Um, but yes, a little bit of the final episode in which um, Dolores is um, kind of memorializing the destruction of this world that Hail Loris created and she's talking about you know this world's dead there's no sentient life but there's one last opportunity one last game for us to play maybe we can save ourselves and i was sort of like not quite following you sister um 
because it seems to discount the outliers here it, mm. unless I'm missing something. So I just, I wasn't quite following like her, like by this world, like nothing, no sentient life. And I was like, but outliers, are we not yeah. ever going to address them ever again? They were going to be a thing. And you know, we had well, Clementine who was going to go find and live among them. Or is, is there a way that she was going to like weave that back in, in the next season? Now I'm just sort of like feeling a little stuck. I think, I mean, the, the, the implication, and I think it's a little bit of a, I don't know. I, I didn't know that I bought this because we, what we went with in the whole season was the brain control, the mind control stuff, which I thought was cool and well done. But then the final thing we get is before the destruction of the tower or whatever is, hey, thanks to William, kill everybody. Everybody kill each other. So then yeah. everybody is going mad and like is like just programmed to kill each other. And so I think that was the idea that everybody's just going to murder everyone. And right, this doesn't seem to affect the outliers. Right. But the p other people were going to allegedly find them, right? You know, get a hold of them um kill them so they must be counting on that like humanity just finishing itself off you right. know which is a, a leap i think yeah it just it was just a little too loose and not tied up for me so sure. i felt like that that thread just kind of like dropped a bit away um because because a lot of the rest of it made sense like you said like this whole season has been about mind control like who's creating, who's game master of whatever particular world we're in. You know, the final episodes got very, you know, what is the body? Like, do we need a body? How attached are we to our bodies? Like, they don't do anything for us. Teddy got very, um, you know, he followed a very, like, Descartes philosophy, I think, therefore I am. It's all about the mind and what you can do, and that makes you who you are. So I think those like overarching themes carried through very well. It just like these these last bits felt a little like rushed and dropped and like we were getting we were getting a means to an end and I, I and I love and now that we have spoilers up I can say it. <coughs> I love that we were like getting back to our origins and we were going back to Westworld. At the end, mm. I was just hoping, hoping, hoping that's where we were ending up. And then we did. And then they ripped it away from me. So do we have any any indication if this is how this season was intended to end or if they altered things? Because it did feel like we jumped to some conclusions or we rushed a bit. Like, was that the way it was always meant to end in season four? Or did they have right. a, a heads up? that you know i feel like this came down the pipe pretty late like hey it's done yeah it's canceled i feel like this is what it was meant to be to this point I, but maybe i uh, feel like it mostly too although i mean these last couple of episodes did feel a little like fire sale everybody's gotta go and everybody's gotta die yeah. um there was just like so much important character death that i was just like boy this isn't even like game of thrones where important characters die and you're like i can't believe they actually killed a main character but it's so impactful yeah here it was just like wanton death and destruction yeah um so it felt a little odd 
to have been, you know, the choice all along. Like they're clearing um, the slate. Yeah. Yeah. And it just didn't feel natural for everybody. Um, yeah. I kind of liked maybe that we were going to, I mean, the only one who really did feel not the only one, one of the main ones who did feel natural actually was, you know, our guy on, on screen here, man in black, William, um, his storyline actually felt very like thought out to have him. Yeah. Killed. His, yep. his storyline felt intentional and purposeful. Hale Loris also felt like a, a solid wrap up. <clears throat> um, Maeve, Caleb, Bernard, st even Stubbs did not. Or I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm, I'm like throwing Stubbs. out all the names here, but we yeah. got spoilers up, so mm -hmm. um, is what it is, yo. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, people felt robbed of their endings here. And I don't know, you know, I was thinking about particularly the fact that uh, Dolores, like OG Dolores, is now, you know, connected to this world and the sublime. Um, and the the people who are in there, there's obviously people who could be brought back in a different way. Like Maeve says, yeah. you know, I'm not really here, am I? I'm in the sublime. <clears throat> so, you know, we right. could get some yeah, of those yeah. characters back in interesting ways, but... Yeah, it just felt very like, you know, like you said, we're just wiping the slate clean and everybody's got to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I think the show that was, also that was stumped... the lesser part that I just didn't enjoy about these last two episodes. Right. I was just like, it's a lot happening right now. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I would like the answer. Hopefully we'll know it at some point if, like, if they change something or this is what they meant to do. And obviously that can you can reshape what you think of something it, depending on how they, it goes forward. We saw right. that with raised by wolves at the end of season one, we're like, what what is happening here? And then season two explains, it makes sense. And it, you know, it goes forward from there. So without the next thing, well, I guess we won't know if this really right. feels right. Cause right now, yeah, it doesn't, it does. It does feel rushed. It does feel like wiping this slate clean. It does feel like they they tried to tackle again the larger picture too yeah. much because they didn't manage it. There was, you know, the, okay, so what we basically see is this one city. Okay, now the rest of the world is going to be devoid of life. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that was a question we had earlier. Does this one tower affect the entire world? They seem to talk about right. this city, you know? So what is it like on the rest of the planet? Are there multiple towers? Kale wouldn't be doing running all that. This seems so like, where are we scope wise? Or are they suggesting that we've gotten to some point in the future where everyone else was already wiped out and, right. and this, this is what was it. left or something, yep. you know, it's like we're completely bending what reality. I don't know. That, that... Right. Which seems at odds with what we understand of the outside human world in the first season of Westworld. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this would suggest some sort of like global apocalyptic event, which, which, yeah, you know, left humans with only one city to dwell in. Whereas like the season one of Westworld suggests that humans are so like overpopulated and bored and wealthy in their original world. They had to start creating these like theme parks to escape to. 
which mm-hmm. which suggests to me expansion of the human race rather than diminish. So like, did we miss some sort of like apocalyptic trigger somewhere? Or, yeah. you know, like you said, is this really like confined to Haloris's world? Is it confined to one city of a still populated human race or a still populated human planet on earth and she only controls a piece of it but somehow we're expected to believe that like this is the only piece that matters and like right. bye everybody so i mean i guess that's the question do we <laughs> do we miss some sort of time thing because obviously it's revealed that like the world we're seeing we've been kind of seeing through dolores's eyes whatever her na- new name is because she's christina, not even yeah. there christina and it's right. just uh, facades to what used to be New York. And so when that goes away, we see, you know, the decay and destruction there. So is right. that like just recent or did we did we skip some sort of massive time thing? And this is right. what's left. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's I mean, maybe was- that's the big reveal of the would be the big reveal of the next season. Like, yeah, this really was, right. you know, which would which would make sense because of what we know about um Caleb here shown on screen his daughter Frankie and her like cohort of outliers like if they're if they're living in the real world and it does seem to be they're in like some sort of desert with like ruins and remains of certain things and like it just feels very barren and empty was there sort of some sort of like apocalyptic event that we just like missed happening? I mean, I know we obviously the prior season had the destruction of Rehoboam and that whole yeah. like scheme and plan for the human world absolutely falling apart, but we didn't really get to see the like all world effects of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we didn't travel right. to different locations around the world and be like, oh, oh, okay, like everybody's getting hit by this. It again was like this one city is potentially meant to be representative of the entire world, but we don't know. Yeah. I mean, Maeve was buried in the sand. Like we did have, we did have that time passage, but that's basically like Frankie growing up child to, yeah, child to adult or something like that. But we did kind of get introduced to this where, you know, so yeah, this would have had to be a destruction in the time from Frankie being a child to Frankie being an adult. Right. Not that long a time, but possible where, you know, and then the time that, you know, Hale Oris has all, gets all this set up, this whole control mechanism and all that. So I don't know, it'd be, it's, it's an interesting thing to play with or like right. maybe making this make more sense. So, right. hmm. Um, let's see what else I, you know, I felt like obviously the difficult thing with a show like this is you pose lots of interesting philosophical questions. You have to choose where you want to seemingly answer them and where you want to like not and like what characters want to represent what's and whatever. I felt from these two episodes in particular like trying to answer a few things and that answer seemed to be pretty cynical of the human race in general. Like, yeah, it's, it was every, you know, Bernard thought every iteration it's done. 
you know, every version it's, it's over. Um, Man in black, we're here for destruction. That's all. Yeah. That's all we do. Yeah. So that seemed to be the kind of conclusion we were given, um, or the show was seeming to state. Do you kind of agree with that or? Yeah, I would. It was very like <clears throat> mankind's whatever it does and whatever we do, since we are reflections of our creators is destroy. Like it's hopeless. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. We, yeah, we can't evolve. We can't like break the cycle. And yet we keep trying to like in different ways, you know, Haloris had her own way of creating, of trying to break the cycle and like, you know, the man in black slash William, you know, his answer was just like, well, we're all doomed. So we might as well wipe the slate clean. But he never really got to the part of like, well, what happens after you wipe the slate clean? Is it just mm -hmm. nothing? Or it, or does does somebody else come in and have like a vision? Or is it, you know what I mean? Like there just wasn't like a, yeah. a next step beyond like everything will be destroyed mm. by our own hands. Uh, how do you, I mean, how do you feel about that? Like we have, we kind of know what the show thinks about it or is suggesting anyways, but. Right. Um, I mean, I certainly think that humanity has repeating cycles. You know what I mean? Like there, we aren't, I disagree in the sense of like, we aren't just destroyers because in order to destroy, there has to be something to be created first. Do you know what I mean? So there, so there sure. are cycles of building and creation and invention before there's cycles of destruction. Um, so well, just, it can be destroying I, I things that we didn't create. I mean, I guess, but like, and that's very existential of us because that would be like very, you know, it would be very meta to be like, well, the world, the natural earth created things and humanity destroys them, which I don't necessarily disagree with um, in, in certain instances, but I just think it's too simplistic of a view to just to just say humanity is destruction and that's it. Yeah. Like there there like I said there are cycles and there are certain people who have inclination towards that and I just don't think you can put that on everybody you meet. Yeah. I don't think you can put that on humanity as a whole. It's um like a lot of times I, when I listen to people, they're sort of talking about the idea of like, you know, the way that we, you know, are successful is if we believe in a sort of a, a higher power and we're that sort of aligns our, our goals and it creates our, our North star in a way. And if you don't have that, then you start aligning in weird ways. You know, your North Star, it gets all messed up and you, you know, be more prone to nihilism or some sort of destruction. But at the same time, if you think of that kind of thing where that is making you, making us sort of special. And like, though I agree we are special, we're also still animals, you know, our of frogs all frogs do they all they do is destroy if the world right. was left to the vices of frogs would everything be destroyed like or the how about the deer or the whales you know like it, the, somehow often we get set on the outside 
of an ecosystem, you know, like we're, you know, and I understand it, like we have more, we have more control and more awareness than these other things, but we are still those things. We are still the frog and the gorilla and the horse, even though like we have awareness, you know? So like, how much does that separate us that would then allow us to be something that is like essentially not designed to exist coherently with the world in which we exist because in my mind something that exists is there's nothing inherently evil nor good about it existing it just does and humans are that too and so we're not like all out destroyers and we're not all benevolent or whatever we just are and being we're a, a conscious we should do the best at being, you know, at the best that we can at existing. Sure. I mean, I think there's, you know, I was just thinking about uh, comparing us to like a, a, we're the frogs or we're the whales or we're the deer, you know, whatever we are. I mean, in thinking about that, there are, I was thinking about like what disrupts an ecosystem and, you know, like what kind of animals like survive, cohabitate, balance well in an ecosystem and there are invasive species so i mean i guess this could be this show could be kind of an argument for are we are humans an invasive species you know what i mean like that do come in and destroy the the habitat the environment the ecosystem i'm not saying we are i'm just like positing right, right and and i like that but it's all that's all based on sure. perspective. The invasive species doesn't feel invasive. It's just trying to survive. It's just living. Right. It's just doing that, what it does. But that, that now that might destroy. Right. And, uh, right. By the but same it's token, also like... yes. But uh, the same token creates. You know, it pushes other things out for itself and for more of itself. And it's unaware that it's doing it, but it does, and it does naturally. And right. so we can be aware. And when we do it, because we can be aware, um, right. but, but it doesn't make it unnatural to do it. You know, it doesn't make it unnatural that that occurs because it does occur. And then we try to do right. maybe the more unnatural thing and adjust that, you know, we're, we're, our society is filled with like kind of puppeteering ecosystems everywhere, sure. you know, stocking fish here, you know, making, counting the deer population there. You know, like this invasive species here. Don't let that spread. Don't spread it. You know, don't like whatever. It's always kind of puppeteering these different things that sort of, you know, if we're so unnatural, we're messing with the natural order of things. But I I don't view us as unnatural. We're just part of it. Part of the point of our awareness is to like be like, we do some things that are unnatural. We're the invasive species that's been like, I don't know. I mean, if you just think about this as like one grand experiment, like what if we're the invasive species who's been given awareness and it's just like, let's see what they do. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like they're invasive and they're potentially destroying this like larger worldwide ecosystem, but they have the awareness to say like, we're we're doing things that are destructive. Can we stop ourselves? 
Well, I mean, and that's I definitely mean, it's like, like a, it's like a cool real world experiment. I mean, not cool in the sense of like, I want our planet to die. And if we can't like rein it in, you know, uh, not necessarily saying like our actions are sole contributors, but you know, if they are like, you know, the end of the experiment is destruction, but just positing again, like I still, well, to think about. Yeah. Two parts of that. One, it hinges on the idea that we are, we have a creator. So, cause it's the, the argument all comes from like, you have to come at it from different ways for sure. Whether you're coming at it from a perspective sure. of we have a sure. creator and potentially a purpose, like a divined purpose, or if we, uh, um, you know, or if it's just, if it's just happenstance, if it's just life is life is life and life is what it is. Um, and then the other part is, um, the destruction again, though nothing is really ever destroyed is changed, you know? So like the destruction again is from like a, so you might destroy a thing, but all its pieces still exist. It's just in a different form. You know, if you, if you burn something, you don't get rid of it. You just deconstruct it. You just change it. You've rearranged the atoms. It all still exists. No matter leaves the earth unless we blast it out of our atmosphere. You know, it sure. all still is there. So destruction of the earth is subjective in a sense. That like, it's like, well, if my forest here is destroyed, is gone, then I see that forest no longer there. It's been destroyed. But the earth that didn't hurt the earth the earth doesn't have feelings well no it doesn't have feelings but like what if now it's been destroyed to a point where nothing else can grow there or be built there because that like earth itself is no longer like you know able to to it's no longer fertile and then b it's like unstable enough that you can't build there either do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm trying to say? So yeah. Like, yes. Uh, yes, and. I, I, yeah, right. I, I just always kind of come from the again. It's sort of the weird non-religious perspective that like Mars doesn't care if it can't grow things right now. Like it's no. Mars exists as it is, and it's not destroyed. It is Mars, and it's how we know Mars to have been. Now, you know, fourteen billion years ago, maybe it had. It was different. It had an ecosystem, yeah. it had something else or whatever. And Mars doesn't care. And we don't think about Mars as like it's destroyed. In fact, some people want to go to live on Mars, you know, but, um, you know, it's just like, uh, again, I'm just kind of saying destruction at to a point is perspective unless you're talking about the technical deconstruction of something, sure. but then you're not. You're, you are destroying what that thing was, but what it was made of still exists. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think um, we should, I mean, the question of destruction should just necessarily be posed of like, the earth doesn't care if it's destroyed. Well, no, it doesn't. But should we care Right. if the earth is destroyed? I mean, apparently for our own survival, we should. Right. 
Yep. So yeah, so it's still subjective for sure. Yep. I don't know. It's the things are weird. Again, they're they're odd to talk about when you're not. You know, I'm not sure which way I always want to discuss it. Whether it's from like a, you know, a religious sort of a theological sort of perspective, or what becomes very like, you know, I don't know, cold in a way of sort yeah. of an atheistic perspective. So. Well, and I feel um, like sometimes this show in particular doesn't really know either um, what what angle it wants to take. I think there's a little bit of grab bag of everything. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, like Teddy comes up with a very, I think, therefore I am philosophy, which is, you know, uh, Rene Descartes. Um, and then like, but the whole last episode of this season kind of focuses on like, who's the creator of the world that we're living in. You know, Hale Loris is like, I created this world. And then William's like, it's my world now. Now I'm the creator. And now, yeah. you know, we have Christina coming in and being like, I'm going to organize and be the creator of one last game. And it's like, well, you know, yeah. we approach it in the sense of like, you know, a- applying it to our own us, the viewer reality of like, who's the architect of our game? You know, is there yeah. some sort of like creator floating out there somewhere? And who might that be? So yeah, so I think I think Westworld does usually a nice mix of kind of different philosophical, religious, you know, moral questions. And in that regard, these episodes aren't any different in terms of like kind of reaching out for different aspects and pulling them in and kind of seeing what you think. But that's why I was kind of surprised that it ended up feeling a little cynical. Like I said, it yeah. kind of felt yeah. like it it decided a little bit when I feel like yeah. it often hasn't. So, well, and that's um, that's where it would have been nice to have a next season because we end with Christina Dolores being like, "There's one last game, survival or destruction." You know, I don't think she says survival. I think she's she says something. It's not like savior, but it's along those lines do you know what i mean it's not just survival it's a little bit yeah more than that i can't think of the word right now um or destruction and you know she's just like let's see what we can do to save ourselves and it's like well what was that gonna be then you know right. was it gonna be yeah. less cynical you know yeah. westworld's never been like floating along on like bubbles of hope or whatever no but it had but like you said it hasn't been this like conclusively what's the point it's meaningless because we're destroyers we should all just like apocalypse now this bad boy yeah yeah as in william's vision which yeah, i have the... to say it came on a little strong that that was that was definitely a plot point for me that i was like this is a lot right now wait william's like, vision yeah the the host man in black where suddenly he has one conversation with human oh. William, and he's like, renegade, blow it all up, tear <laughs> it all down. And I was like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. you just need to maybe take a beat, dude, because you were like, Hailoris's little puppet, and I get that you were like starting to fracture and see your own things, but suddenly you're just like, full on, like, I am human William, and I'm gonna do what he did, and 
like let's just burn it to the ground it was just it was a lot for me to to have that switch go that's true um i do think though that sometimes people that are grasping for meaning purpose direction importance whatever when they find an inkling of it they go all in it's kind of like a like a born again thing or something like you're you're a low point or whatever you're not sure what to think as soon as you find that bit of hope or the something that makes stuff make sense yeah you kind of decide you have to go all in or not i guess i just was sort of like more interested in his potential kind of feeling out of the outsiders and like how are the outliers and how intrigued he was by them and like what was happening and like all the cracks and fractures in the world. I just thought that was a more interesting place to go than like, sure. Yeah. Men in black is right. I'm going to kill him and do what he wants and live out yeah. his legacy. I don't know. It was just a little like, bleh. yeah, I, I still worry that if we had gotten the next season that we, wouldn't have the conclusion we want anyways, because it's part of the problem with dealing with things that are so big like this is how do you wrap this up logically? You know, going back small Westworld, we were there, <sighs> right? But they, they open the, the door and that makes sense for a season, but then you still have to answer the larger questions because they brought there. They brought right. it to but the bigger space. Maybe they could in the microcosm. Do you know what I maybe. mean? Like, like I think taking it back in a manageable scope would have helped them focus on the questions. Mm -hmm. And now we're never. Yeah, gonna maybe. Maybe I worry that they have a direction and not an end. Like they wouldn't know. It's kind of like the maze, right? The design of the maze. That was like a really cool setup. When William first found that under the yeah. guy's scalp, I'm like, whoa, what is going on? And we see this pattern again. And what is this? And it really was like a map to consciousness, a map to awareness, sort of in a way. Right. But like, was that really satisfying exactly? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be. It I just was, think I they thought. gave themselves almost an impossible task. It's like the Matrix. Everybody rags on the follow-up Matrix movies, but I want someone to tell me how they would have ended it instead. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, this way, it's very like, you know, Schrodinger's cat. The cat, as long as you don't look inside the box, the cat is alive or dead, depending yeah. on your belief. And as long as we don't have a season five, we can believe yeah. or not believe that they would have wrapped it up in a satisfying yeah. fashion because we'll never know. Right. Yeah. But hmm. I mean, I, they des they deserve the cancellation because season three was so bad. And then no one came back for season yeah. four. But four, yeah, four was, uh, you know, we, we can talk about that. Like overall, season four, like, other than kind of the end here, which maybe would have been corrected in some fashion by how season five started. Right. I really enjoyed my time in season in season four here. I thought the music right. was great. I thought that they did go smaller scale on some things. We focused on some characters a little better. We like 
made some characters that we really gave weird paths to in season three. We kind of course corrected for them. Bernard felt more like Bernard again, finally. Um, They really sort of, yeah, that's a, was a huge change. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of things that all of a sudden we got some interesting concepts brought up, some shocking moments, some surprises, you know, the whole reveal that, I mean, just that Teddy's back and then that, you know, Dolores can control this world and how right. is that happening to Teddy's like, back, but he's not back. Yeah. He, yeah. But he is back because now <laughs> she's in the sublime and she can go find him. Yeah. So <sighs> like they did a lot to course correct their horrible mistakes in three. And it ultimately was really enjoyable to watch, I thought. And yeah. these last two episodes probably would have been a little more manageable had we kept watching right through, you know? We didn't have the right. moments of kind of catch up where, where are we at here? But um, yeah. Do you have overall thoughts or other things that happened that really um, kind of stood out or didn't made, didn't make sense or. Um, yeah, I just. Uh, I was, I feel like this season really brought, brought, like you said, brought, the show back in a satisfying way. And there were several character story arcs that I was like happy to see wrapped up. Like Haloris, who's on the screen right now. I felt like her death was like, this is good. This is satisfying. I'm, I'm, I've taken you as far as I want you to go. And I'm good with you. Just like you had your fun. You had your like, I'm going to wreak destruction. Whoops. Now I'm bored. What am I going to do? Try to like force everybody to ascend to a new level of consciousness. But like nobody likes that. So bye. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She was like her whole story arc was interesting and awesome. And Tessa Thompson did a great job. Killed it in the acting department. But she was such a contradiction. Like Hale was always talking about like ascending next level. Leave our bodies behind. Why are we so attached to them? Yeah, she could never actually let go of her own body. Even in the final battle with William, she was like, leave my scars. I want to remember. Leave my face. I want him to know it was me. So she was just such a contradiction. Like, she never could have, like, achieved what she wanted to do. So her ending here and, like, taking out the man in black, you know, kind of in host form and inadvertently inhuman indirectly i guess in human form that all felt like it worked out and i was ready to see where we could go next sure so the 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 question i have to like that was sitting with me yet after this was um the whole purpose of a body and stuff because like you're just talking about how her goal is to get people to transcend yeah. to get the host to transcend and you know some people would do it but she was hesitant herself and all this stuff um you know i was thinking about it quite a bit after the show and my thought was there's no point if without a physical space i've always thought about this where like you can okay we'll upload our minds we'll digitize them to the computer they'll live in the net they'll, you know you, we'll live on forever because you're your consciousness is preserved. Yeah. Um, and then you don't need a body and your body is the slave for your soul anyways. So like what, you know, what's the point, but 
the more I think about it now, like we, we have no meaning. We have no meaning to exist without the tie to the physical space. Like we only have any meaning because our physical forms will end. And so everything is only gains importance because it can end. If you can live on forever, if everything you want can persist forever, nothing has any meaning at all. And so there literally is no point. Isn't that the point of vampire movies? To like yeah, say but they, even they can die. But right, they even can. they can die, and like, they still interact could, with the real world. The things well, in life die. die in front of them. You could still die if you uploaded your consciousness to the net. Like some sort of power system could fail. Sure. Yes. Yes. It, it's one of those things where you could live in perpetuity. Should nothing, you know, like go wrong like same, with same life with vampires or elves in tolkien's world you know if in perpetuity happens if nothing goes horrendously wrong to me that's always like the the point of that is to pre appreciate what you have in front of you because it will yeah. go away you know um versus like having any meaning at all um in this kind of thing but yes i, I get what you're saying is is a similar kind of because often like vampire movies i feel like have that sort of like existential like i'm searching for meaning because mm -hmm. things have lost meaning and it's usually like a human who like brings it back because it's like yep. oh your fleeting life is so interesting to me mm -hmm. but yeah but so how like much very, more is that with if like nothing around you is real but like that was the interesting part about this was like Haloris built these like Sorry. Oh, <coughs> Halor's built these like random, formless, weird bodies to put their orbs into. Still, I mean, they were not distinct yeah. or unique from one another. They were just like these white, armless shells with black legs. Which, what the crap? The, the design was just like I'm so lost here as to how the uh... like ascension, but there was still like a physical space for their pearl, their orb, their core, whatever, to exist, and they were still look like they still look like things that were maybe going to be walking around. So like they would still have physical form, just not unique. So that was a plot point that I was like, I'm not quite. I'm not quite here for for if you don't need a body, what is this then? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, to me. I thought it was. I, I guess I saw it as some part of the transition or whatever because we didn't see those guys like walking around then. You know, we didn't know, like, but because that was because we her transition or her ascension was interrupted. Hmm. But other people have ascended. We then we see other people do it, and they kind of like just then like their body just goes out. You know, the pearl gets taken out. You know, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't remember enough earlier in the season because I thought they were all going to you know this other you know other space, um, just like where we have you know the real Teddy and all that. Whatever space that is, we have this other space. Lime. Yeah. So we have this well, other one now for these hosts. Right, right. Because, well, they couldn't get into the sublime. Remember, right. because because Haloris kept it safe, but couldn't access it. 
only Bernard, Maeve, and Dolores could. Right. Hmm. So yeah, Yeah, that that just wasn't that wasn't quite like wrapped up, I think, in a really satisfying. But yeah, I mean it's interesting because again, philosophic philosophically it's interesting to think about like what impact does your body have? Like obviously we're attached to our bodies because they give us some sort of definition of self, both in this is what I look like. This is how I understand who I am. This is how I interact with a physical world and make meaning and understanding with a physical world. This physical shell houses my mind you know, my soul, if if that's part of your philosophy, you know, my being, my essence, whatever you want to call that sort of like spark. Um, so that's that's always going to be an intrinsic part, I think, of our definition of like who you are. So mm-hmm. yeah. I mean this this season this season did question like the need for a body, but Ultimately, nobody could kind of evolve beyond having some attachment to their body, to their look, to mm-hmm. their physical self. Yep. Um, and and I think the show very smartly kept repeating, you know, like these hosts are only reflections of their creators. So they're no matter what they do, they still have some sort of like human traits because they were created by humans that they can't quite let go of yeah. no matter how desperately they try. Yeah. It, you know, the other reason I wonder if maybe, you know, season <clears throat> five was canceled and stuff is because the way I see where it's going is basically the matrix. Um, we have a whole, it's cause the only thing, if you're going to have meaning in digital space or whatever, the, I feel like they would play with the idea that you have people like we could be in a space that is not real. Like we could be hosts and we'll know it because we're in, we're in the program. We're in the thing. We're just like the matrix. We're in the machine or whatever. And so right. the test is how are you going to manage it in this, in their case of calling a game or in this simulation or whatever, are you going to break free and find out what the real world is? Because as soon as you do that, you're, you're back to square one. You're, you're only right. satisfied with the lie when you don't know it's a lie. As soon as you do, you need more. And so I feel like that's what they would play with more in the next season. And it's not that that hasn't been done. It's we kind of get that in the sense from the, you know, in the first season, we're kind of playing with the idea. And then of course with the matrix and then stuff like Elon Musk has put forward or whatever, you know, like we're living in a simulation, that sort of thing. So not that I'd be opposed to seeing more of that. I, I'm interested in that kind of thing, but right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ugh, let's see. Perils, the perils of not knowing. Yeah, I know. I hope they have released something sometime, you know, some right. cast or, or, uh, I mean, not that they're reliable necessarily, but the showrunners or whoever does some interviews or maybe there's a book written. That's kind sure. of like the, the blueprint that was for season five, right. you know, right. Somebody, um, somewhere along the line of like, what, yeah, what ideas we had. Yeah, it'd be cool to know. Yeah. Because 
we get this show gave us a lot of uh, a lot of entertainment you know for all the the hiccups and stuff it also gave us a lot of entertainment and um yeah so yeah um well anything else can need to be said about Westworld? no just another another show i do feel gone just a bit too soon okay like raised by yeah. wolves i mean it's not as bitter it's not as out of nowhere um well actually it is because this was more successful than raised by wolves so i did feel like a little like whoa like this was just such a flagship sure. show there for a bit and i know it it kind of flagged a little uh, it sunk a little bit but i just didn't yeah. quite <clears throat> think it was enough to get the axe yep uh, andrea you see you're actually in a host body it's just not lasting very long it's uh they just don't take you know uh, i'm sorry to break the news to you unfortunately you know yeah you're starting to you shake trembles you know? yep. yeah <laughs> all right well let's give andrea a break here she's been a trooper like getting through the show here <laughs> with a cough so um that'll do it from us for popcast on the rocks episode 130 um, make sure you follow us on all the applicable places, um, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, um, all that sort of thing. Uh, leave reviews where you can, especially if you're on a podcast directory. Um, our regular episodes go out on podcast directories like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, reviews are much appreciated. Any clips or whatever, thumbs them up, all that sort of thing. Be much appreciated. We are growing, but we're growing slowly, so we could use your help to grow faster. Um, Killing the Flower, they wrote our theme song. So you should check them out on YouTube and music streaming services are also on Instagram. So um, go ahead and do that. Otherwise, that'll be it from us for this um, Christmas episode. I guess we're going to have to call it Christmas episode. Everybody have a good holiday, good Christmas um, over this weekend. Stay safe if you're in, in the polar vortex. And uh, we are. <laughs> and Andrea. <laughs> Yeah, Andrea, thanks again for joining me. Of Feel course. Better. Thanks. Cheers, everybody.